Good morning and welcome to Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock, and I'll be your host every Wednesday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Just a few more Wednesdays to go until the big holiday, Pesach. Got to check the calendar. How many Wednesdays do I got? I think it's this one. We got one probably on the uh, 21st, 28th. I think I got a flight back home the 28th, but I'll make that show. And then it's Pesach. So, uh, I mean, this week, I guess, it's still technically Adar. Can we get some per music in there? I don't know. Can we? Can we get away with it? We're going to get away with it. I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to get away with it. We'll, we'll have some Purim music. Because I love Purim. And I've told you I love Purim. So we're going to get away with it. And sorry, folks. Just one more show you got to deal with. Unless of Rummy at 11 o'clock with his live lunch decides to do it. We'll have some Purim music. And obviously some of the music you're used to hearing here. By the way, you knew I wasn't going to not talk about it, right? The weather... Because, you know, when you're in an uncomfortable conversation with someone and have nothing to talk about, what do you do? You talk about the weather, right? And I'm so uncomfortable right here. That's all I got to do. That's all I want to talk about, the weather. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, the snow was kind of annoying yesterday. You know, it's March. And where I'm from, March means the heat is coming back. I mean, just take a look at that Houston forecast. Today, 72. Tomorrow, 74. We got 80s over the weekend. And I'm stuck here with the 30s. All right. How about that snowstorm last week, though? We, uh, that snowstorm last week I had to deal with commuting to the Lower East Side. Then we went over to the five towns to meet one of our fellow employees over there. That was, uh, that was a good time in that snowstorm. But yesterday's snow, we stuck it out in the studio. It wasn't too bad. Uh, you know what else this week? It's actually, it was when I was in college at YU, one of my favorite times of the year. And yes, it's March Madness. But in YU, there's a different form of March Madness, and that's Sarachek. And this year, you know, two years ago, actually, for my Houston, for my Baron team, that's where I played. I was the captain there. Yeah, I was a pretty good baller back in the day. Though, truth be told, I was not a captain because of my ability to put the basketball in the hoop. It was more because the kind of guy I am, whatever. Humble. I'm kind of wiping the dirt off my shoulder. Um, but um, so I was the captain of my team in high school. Actually, played in Sarachek. Jeez, 2010. There's a hint to my age. That's when I graduated. We lost to MTA in the first round as a 12 seed. They were a five seed. And uh, so two years ago, when my team showed up, I was asked to coach because of whatever reason, and uh, coached my team to a tier four championship. And and uh, this year, the Houston team is coming back. They're a pretty young squad, um, but scrappy and fun. And uh, they're a 12 seed again this year, this time playing SAR in the first round as a 5 seed. 4 p.m., I'll be there. Maybe you'll see a familiar face. Um, but I got to root on my squad. No siblings on the squad. Actually, a fun fact about my siblings. I only have one sibling, and it is a twin brother. So... For those of you that didn't know, I am a twin, and that's it. Just me and my twin. We both played on the team together. That was always the joke. I was the starting center, and whenever I needed a break, they brought in my brother. Um, but yeah, Sarachek, one of my favorite times of the year. I used to work for Max Live. I think I did one of the few people probably for Max Live that did every single job 
except I, I did not do a play-by-play. I did color commentary. I did not do play-by-play, and then nothing in the producing side of things, which is kind of ironic because that's really – I do a lot of that now. Um, but otherwise, I did every camera, every scoreboard thing, written, color commentary, sideline reporting. I did it all except for those few things. But Sarah, check a lot of fun. And for those of you that have friends, siblings, whatever it is, I'm sure you'll be tuned in all weekend long for that. But like I started things off earlier, this week we'll have some perm music. Very little, but some perm music nonetheless. And then we'll have some um, some mostly regular music. And then we have one interview this week from Joanna Shepson um, as she interviews... Professor Ian Stern from Archaeological Seminars, also known as Dig for a Day. That'll come up at 10 a.m. Eastern. By the way, also a big shout-out to Tova Kanakh on her birthday uh, last week. We hope to be hearing from her in the relative short term, but we'll have more on that as it appears. But as we start off every Wednesday with one thing and one thing only, Mahapecha Shel Simcha, it's time to dance on Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Shamati Oh, 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 
לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עד שנה? התקרנו יום? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה. לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עוד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך. יש לי, יש לי אמונה אני מאמין בניסים אני יודע שיש אלוקים והוא בורא עולם הכוח של כולם שומע את קולי אני מאמין בניסים אני יודע שיש אלוקים והוא בורא עולם הכוח של כולם, ישלח לי את הנס, ישלח לי את הנס שלי, יאללה! תקווה
sand Stand for a tale so grand Shushan is the place where it all began The hidden miracle One man, second in command Slay all the Jews with his wicked plan A scheme so miserable He chose a day for the disaster It's ironic what came after He didn't know a girl named Esther So raise your glasses if you can see The hidden meaning's right in front of you We will never be, never be anything but proud To tell the story, then I hope for who Won't you come on and come on and raise your glass Just come on and come on and raise your glass Esther became the queen Goddess pulling strings from behind the scenes She wore the royal crown Three days the Jews just prayed Queen Esther was her life, went to save the day She took Haman down The streets were filled with celebration Everyone ate hamantashen Jubilation for the nation
חמודים אתם. אז ילדים, בואו נעשה שמח! מי ש, מי שנכנס הדל, מרבים, מרבים, מרבים בשמחה. מי ש, מי ש, מי שנכנס הדל, מרבים, מרבים, מרבים בשמחה. מי שנכנס הדל, מרבים בשמחה. מי שנכנס הדל, מרבים בשמחה.
ששון ויקר, ליהודי מייקה, הורה ושמחה, הורה ושמחה וששון ויקר. שושנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, מירותם יחד חלת מותחי. שושנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, מירותם יחד חלת מותחי. שועתם הייתה לנצח ותקוותם, בכל דור ודור ברוך מותחי היהודי, ברוך מותחי היהודי ושמחה וששון ויקר, ליהודים ליהודים הייתה אורה, אורה ושמחה וששון ויקר. כן, 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 Oh, 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 oh,
אשר ישלטו היהודים, הימו בשונאיהם. ונוי ונוי הפכו, אשר 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 ישלטו, אשר ישלטו היהודים, הימו בשונאיהם.
האור והצל משחקים שוב תופסת. השולחן ערוך, תמונות ילדות על הקיר, שיירות לבנות חוזרות מבית כנסת. והריח הזה, ששורט לי את הלב, מתגנב, מתגנב, ופותח דלתות אל אושר קטן. אל אותו שיר ישן שעובר אצלנו במשך דורות מתנות קטנות משהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות רסיסים של כוונה עיגולים של אמונה מתנות קטנות משהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות הכוח לקבל את מה שאין, את מה שיש, מה עוד אפשר כבר לבקש. זה עוד יום שישי, מרפסת ועיתון, השמש כמו הדאגות לאט נמחקת. מנגינות פשוטות זוחלות מהחלום, ושום שערה כבר לא תסתיר פה את השקט. מתנות קטנות, משהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, רסיסים של כוונה, עיגולים של אמונה. מתנות קטנות, משהוא שלח לי שאין את מה שיש, מה עוד אפשר כבר לבקש? מתנות קטנות. שורט לי את הלב, מתגנב, מתגנב, ופותח דלתות אל אושר קטן, אל אותו שיר ישן, שעובר אצלנו במשך דורות, מתנות קטנות, שהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, רסיסים של כוונה. עיגולים של אמונה, מתנות קטנות, משהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, כמו הכוח לקבל את מה שאין, את מה שיש, מה עוד אפשר כבר We are back on Bite Size for hour number two, and it's time for Joanna Shepson's interview with Professor Ian Stern from Archaeological Seminars, also known as Dig for a Day, if that's how you're familiar with it. Anyway, that interview comes up right now, right here on Bite Size on the Nahum Siegel Network. Thank you, Yoni. Today I'm speaking with Ian Stern, and he is involved in one of the most popular tourist attractions 
that we have here close to Jerusalem. Hi, Ian. How are you? Hi, very good, Joanna. How are you doing? Good. So tell us a little bit about archaeological seminars. And to, to a lot of the listeners out there, they know you as Dig for a Day. So tell us a little bit about the background. How long ago did you get started in running Dig for a Day? We've been running our program for the last 32 years. I would say over a million people have gone through our gates and have been exposed to an archaeological experience that I think most people would uh, say is one of the most exciting things they've done in the country. Um, this came about because we were looking to see if we could bring archaeology to people and at the same time give them a fun educational experience that they could relate to and uh, help them even connect to the land of Israel. It's something I find very exciting when I, you can combine a tourist attraction with history and, and really getting people to understand the roots and the history behind what happened here in the land of Israel. And this is one of those activities that everybody asks for. It's on everyone's itinerary, and I understand why. Um, and is your background, an, are you an archaeologist by training? Um, yes, I have my doctorate from Bar Ilan University in archaeology. Um, our excavation is an excavation that's licensed by, like all licenses, like all excavations in Israel, by the Israel Antiquities Authority. Um, in order to get that license, we have to show a budget, and the people who are excavating with us are actually helping us because they're actually underwriting the excavation as well as doing the work. And then we're, of course, responsible for publishing our finds. If we do not do that, then we simply do not get a license the following year. And what are some of the most exciting things you've seen or that some of your visitors have found? Um, first of all, all of the finds that we have out there have been found by people who are participating in this Dig for a Day program of ours. Um, I would say that we have, I would say what you might call instant gratification. And that instant gratification is based on the fact that we're excavating a site that is not what we might call technically uh, sensitive. It has no what we refer to in archaeological terms as photography, and that allows people of all ages, without any prior archaeological background, to participate in the program. And what have we found? We find almost always we're finding pottery, pottery that dates back to more or less the time of Judah Maccabee or the first Hanukkah, approximately 2,200-2,300 years ago. The most, I'd say, famous of our finds today in the Israel Museum is what we call the Heliodorus inscription which is an inscription that gives us background to what led up to the rebellion of the Maccabees. That's fascinating. And actual, there were people who were part of the dig who found these pieces? Were you there with them at the time? Um, yes. Yes. Basically, people participating with us, not all at once. We found actually three very large fragments that fit together that are part of this largest inscription ever to be found in Israel. And that was found by people participating in our program. In addition to that, we find incredible amounts of writing what we call ostracot, pottery with writing on it, in Greek, Aramaic, and in Hebrew. We found a marriage contract dated to 176 BCE written on pottery, and we're finding incredible amounts of what we call altars and all sorts of other types of items that I would say people, when they come away from the program, they are amazed that they were touching history. They were the first person in 2,200 years to come in contact with something, and that is a feeling that most people are amazed by, and it's something that they can't uh, get anyplace else. It's, it's something they take home with them. It's amazing. I know there are a few people out there who are the naysayers who say, is this real? You know, when you see a picture posted of a little 12-year-old boy holding up a piece of 
uh, pottery or a piece of jewelry that he found and you say, you know, some, some will say, is it real? But you're there. You're there every day hands on. So you know that it's real. Absolutely. This is a, probably a question we get every single day and we actually anticipate it at this point. Um, the reason that we can excavate with people who have no experience is because there is no stratigraphy. There's no strata. There's no floor level. We are actually excavating the equivalent of an ancient garbage dump, which really explains, number one, why we get this instant gratification. There tends to be more material in the cave that we're digging. Number two, um, basically, um, we don't have to worry about people peeling away. People usually think of archaeology as using, let's say, a, a small brush and a tiny, tiny tool, and that is archaeology in some contexts. But in our context here, we do not have to worry about that, and that's why the program has been so successful. How many more years' worth of digging do you think exists in, in your location? I don't believe we'll ever finish. I mean, we may decide to stop. That's one thing. But we are talking about thousands of man-made caves, and they all date back to this 2,200-year-old period, and we haven't touched more than 10% of the material, and that's in 32 years. We're going to be publishing something this summer that will be a two-volume work, and that's going to cover 16 years of excavation in one particular cave. But again, I think what's exciting for people is when they come to us, they will also have the opportunity to participate in a real dig. But not only that, most digs are dry, and certainly in the summertime or even in the springtime on a hot day, very difficult physically for people. Here, our excavation is underground, which means in the summertime, you're actually excavating in an area that feels like it's been air-conditioned. In the winter, even though it may be rainy, underground, it's dry and comfortable. Um, and this is one of the reasons why those caves were formed 2,200 years ago, but it makes our excavation um, very, very exciting and with what you might call creature comforts. Oh, that's fabulous. That's great for families to know because I know a lot of families like to come with kids of all ages and they come at all different times of the year. Um, if there's one member of the family who gets a bit claustrophobic, is there a large area of the cave they can sit in? Most areas, I would say almost all areas that we're actually excavating in, certainly with family groups, are areas where you can stand comfortably. And almost, I don't know of anyone really who has a feeling of claustrophobia where we're actually digging. Um, we have lights inside the caves, so it's, it's bright. If people feel uncomfortable, we usually position them near the entrance to the cave so that they can feel more comfortable. Um, and, of course, the other parts of the excavation or the parts of the program where we're going and exploring caves, those types, those areas sometimes people will stand out of or sit out of, but that's usually a small portion of the total program. Yeah, there's a part of the, the, the caving part of the activity at the end where there's an area, a very, very small area that you need to go through. Does it have a special name? I remember when that, as a kid. We call that spelunking. In other words, basically we actually explore a cave, and the reason we, we do that is aside from it being a lot of fun, it gives people an opportunity to see what does a cave look like before we've excavated. It's impossible at the end of a three-hour experience or a two-and-a-half-hour experience to see what kind of an impact that particular group had on the room they were digging in. In order to give them that sense of accomplishment, if you will, or at least to see that they're part of a process, that they're one group and every day we have two or three groups digging, and at the end of maybe a week you'll see a difference, but to see that or to understand that is to go to a cave that's never been excavated, and then they conceptually can see what the cave they were digging in looked like when we first entered. That's great. And is there an age limit or an age minimum for people to join um, the program? 
No, there's not an age minimum, but I would say that children under five don't pay, number one, but they must be. You don't want to take children by themselves, number one. And number two, uh, if they're really younger kids, uh, two, three, four-year-olds, generally they may not go on the spelunk, which, again, as I said, is maybe about 15 minutes of the whole program. Okay, great. And we actually haven't even mentioned to the listeners yet where you're located. Do you want to tell us a bit about the national park that you're in? Sure. We're inside a national park, which is a World Heritage Site. It's called the National Park of Tel Marisha Beit Guvrin. It's about a 45-minute to an hour drive outside of Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. We usually meet our groups right next to the site. There's a, a gas station with a small let's say, restaurant there, and that's where we meet. And once we've met the different groups, we then ascend to the, to the actual site, which is about three minutes away. That's great. And I just let the listeners out there know that since you're going to be hearing this interview before Pesach, that Dig for a Day has sessions going on all throughout Pesach and Cholamoed and even on Erev Chag. So all you need to do is send an email to dig at funinjerusalem.com and Ian's wife Heidi will probably most likely be the one to respond and she will put you together with in, in groups um, to enjoy this exciting, I, I like to call it kind of a classic tourism activity for when you come to Israel. It's something that you have to do once, if not more than once, when you come with your kids. So thank you so much, Ian. It was great hearing the background behind this fabulous activity, and uh, I look forward to bringing my kids back again. All right, and thank you. Take care and have a nice day. Okay, and now back to you, Yoni. Thank you, Joanna, and thank you, Professor Ian Stern, again, from Archaeological Seminars, also known as Dig for a Day. For more information, contact Joanna at funinjerusalem.com. And if you're looking for other things, I mean, that's, that's certainly one intriguing option, especially if you're heading over there for Pesach, which is just in a few weeks from now already. If, you, if you're headed there for Pesach, it's a full week of Cholomoed. And, uh, you know, sometimes, actually, I guess many times, when it falls out, you know, throughout the week Pesach, you're only looking at one or two days of Cholomoed. So, okay, you usually have plans. But when you have a full week of Cholomoed, sometimes it's hard to plan for that. And you don't realize that. And, like, you're looking at your schedule and you're just like, wow, I've, we, Wednesday, we're kind of free. So let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to head to funinjerusalem.com. I'm telling you, there are things there you've never heard before. If you've heard this show, there are so many interviews she's done that you're just like, that's a thing? Or that's a thing in Israel? So check it out, funinjerusalem.com, or email her and just say, hey, we're interested in in maybe archaeological things. Maybe we're interested in museum things. Maybe we're interested in aquarium things. Or whatever it is, any unique thing I'm telling you, you could email her and she will hook you up, funinjerusalem.com. For more information, we have plenty more music coming up, and then uh, we'll talk to Miriam L. Wallach in our segment that has no name at the end of the show. I think I have a topic for her that she'll find interesting, intriguing, and she could probably talk about for hours. So we'll try to keep it as short as possible. But again, that comes up towards the end of the show. More coming up on Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Kala, 
Leuten war Farmaschi, ach, er wird noch kommen, wenn wir vertrugen sich. Jeder einer Dabendem, Leuten war Farmaschi, ach, er will schon kommen, er wartet auf dir in mir. Oh, 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 oh,
אם אתה מרגיש שאתה כל הזמן רוצה להספיק הכל פשוט תזכור כי הכל כתוב מלמעלה אז תנסה סמוך על הבורא הכל יכול שוב יש תנועה בדרך אל העבודה אתה צולע אחר אל הפגישה ואולי מרגיש שכל יום כמו מרוץ פה גם גם אם אתה קצת מתוסכל ונראה לך שזהו המזל פתח בשם ותאמין בו דספסיטו קח את החיים שלך ודספסיטו כל דבר בזמן שלא יבוא כרידו לכל הקמה זה טוב ותאמין בו דספסיטו קח את החיים שלך ודספסיטו כל דבר בזמן שלא יבוא כרידו לכל הקמה זה טוב ותאמין בו שלא יבוא כרידו, לכל הקמה זה טוב ותאמין בו. דספסיטו, קח את החיים שלך ודספסיטו, כל דבר בזמן שלא יבוא כרידו, לכל הקמה זה טוב ותאמין בו. ואז פתאום תראה שלב עוד מלחצים אפשר ללמוד, הכל יהיה פשוט מאוד, אחרת איך אפשר לשרוד את החיים שלך, תתחיל לקחת הגלות. מה זה כזה פח בלי יושר אין לו משמעות עצור לחשוב לפני שתאחר את הרכבת הילדים גודלים ומה נשאר רק המזכרת תגיד להם איזו מילה טובה ותחבק יש רגעים שבשבילם תתנתק ניסית ניסית מה שלא עשית את הכל רצית בנית בנית ומה שלא ראית איך שהזמן עובר כאן ולא יחזור שוב לאחור לחייך אם אתה מרגיש שאתה כל הזמן רוצה להספיק הכל פשוט תזכור דספסיטו את החיים שלך ודספסיטו כל דבר בזמן שלא יבוא כרידו לכל הקמה זה טוב ותאמין בו דספסיטו את החיים שלך ודספסיטו כל דבר בזמן שלא יבוא כרידו לכל הקמה זה טוב ותאמין בו דספסיטו Can't you see I'm trying to be all that you want of me but it's so cold now it's so dark here. What could I do? It's not very clear Shine a little light Show us the way Lead us to A brighter day Shine a little light Show us the way Lead us to a brighter day If I'm a little light Together we are so very bright A little light here A little light there 
the smiles, it's so very clear. Shine the little light, show us the way, lead us to a brighter day. Shine the little light, show us the way, lead us to a brighter day.
are back to end things off here on Bite Size. But before we do, it's the segment that has no name with the one and only. Well, actually, we found out there are more, but I'm going to put that middle initial in there for you. Miriam L. Wallach. Good morning. Is is the other Miriam Wallach also an L? She is not. Oh, okay. Phew. I apologize for the uh, sounds of my voice now that I hear my voice going through uh, the headset. It sounds, hey, what's going on there? It sounds even worse than it does in my head. You know oh, how your it? voice sounds a particular way in your head? And, mm-hmm. Right. It sounds even worse now that I'm hearing it's it. It's so funny you say that because I came across a, a tweet or I don't even know, maybe on Instagram, which is is, is actually going to be somewhat relevant to what we're going to talk about, um, that said, do you think the first person that recorded their own voice thought like the machine was broken? <laughs> right. Of course. Isn't that interesting to think about? Yes. And so that person just decided, no, that's really how my voice sounds. Or maybe something's wrong with the technology the whole time. And maybe what we hear in our head is the actual voice that we sound like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm totally not disagreeing with you or getting into that headspace either, which came first, the chicken or the egg kind right. of a thing. Um, but yeah, I think my voice sounds completely ridiculous in real life. Right. I got to talk to Nachum about this. I wonder if he's ever thought about that. I mean, he definitely hasn't, but maybe... He I'll might, see his thoughts. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I he mean, he's have. been doing this for 35 years. Right. He at might, some point, it probably popped in his head. At some point or another. I mean, we've had conversations about how annoying I find my own voice yeah. and how I don't understand why listeners don't shut me off. Not that I'm suggesting it, but um, but he has made the point before that people get used to what people are used to, and it's just a question of training the audience, listeners, et cetera, mm-hmm. into this is what you sound like. Right. Okay, Let's let's get to what... I oh, actually this wasn't wanted the topic? To, no, this wasn't. It's, it's somewhat similar, though. So last Thursday was International Grammar Day, right? I know. It's a national holiday for, for nerds like me. Right. And when that happens, and this is why I've invited you on for the show. Thank and you. Uh, I think, by the way, if we have no segment name, we should at least have a theme song. Hmm. I'm just saying. Greatest Showman style, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so during this International Grammar Day, there were a lot of like funny things that came out, unique things about grammar that mm-hmm. I thought were interesting and some that we've came, I've come across I'd like to share and then I'm sure you have some of these sticky things also mm. that you're going to share with us as well, hopefully. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first thing about grammar that uh, that I saw, and, and I think actually we might have spoken about this already. I don't remember the word sent. Mm. Is the S I silent text? or the C silent? Correct. Are you pronouncing the C or the S? As is in, there an answer to this? As in the word scent, not as in penny scent, but as in the smell. Correct. S-C-E-N-T. So This you was know? a ridiculous conversation in my house. Right. What's the answer? I have no idea. Oh, you don't know? No. I don't know that that's a grammar thing. Is more of an auditory thing. Like, I think that if we had an audiologist or we had somebody who's a speech therapist, mm-hmm. um, or sorry, I, I, I scratch that. If we had a linguist call or email us or text us or comment on the app about... We should have had a linguist on last week. We should have had a linguist on. That is correct. So linguistically... Remember for next year. Yes. If I can remember tomorrow, I'll remember tomorrow. <laughs> um, it, linguistically, I'm not sure what they would argue. I don't know that there are other um, pronunciations of that word in other accents or the, in either dialects. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if people who come out of Birmingham... You know, England, not Alabama, or Alabama. I don't know if people pronounce it differently. It's not like when you're ridiculous right, and say pecan. <laughs> it's not that. I wasn't even going to bring that up. I know, but to me, it's still annoying. So I don't know if it's that kind of thing. It could just be that this is how everyone pronounces it, but this is also why the English language is great and also horrific at the same time. Okay, so give, give me an example of one of these kind of crazy things. I've got more. 
of what of what letters something or... uh, whatever like something sent it's fun you know one of these funny things you've never thought about okay so grammar. my daughter one of my daughters was you know we were driving in the car and she said um you know what's she's like you know what's really strange and i said what and she said the word baloney okay and i That's said fair. i said like we were literally not talking <laughs> about anything about deli related. Everyone so, likes bologna, right? And so she said it should be pronounced bologna, mm-hmm. which is a hundred percent true. Same thing true, by the way, about the word rendezvous, because rendezvous she pre- should be pronounced rendezvous if we were a completely phonetic language, which we're not. Mm-hmm. But rendezvous also, by the way, does not have um, you know English bearing, so to speak. Right. Right. That's so a good that. Point. That is a different. That is a different word altogether, so to speak. Um, you look at words in Hebrew. That it, you know, as as I I've told my kids a thousand times, if you're trying to read a word in Hebrew and it doesn't make any sense, that's because it's English. That's <laughs> uh, true. But it's but it is yeah. true. So, you know, there is no is there is no Hebrew word for the word history. In Tanakh, etc. Right. right, we say historia in modern Hebrew, right. but in in I don't want to say ancient Hebrew, but in classic Hebrew, the word is zahor, is to remember. Okay, but the mm. modern Hebrew answer is historia. Okay, okay. So there, you know, this is the way language evolves, etc. Um, but yeah, rendezvous, baloney, bologna, that is a that is a big one in my house. Also, of course, just you know, thumb and knife. Yeah, Th- thumb I mean, and knife are problems at the Wallachs. Lamb, I guess, also. Yes, all these words that have silent letters that are yet another exception in the rules of English. So I'm trying to think. I just, I literally came across this, and it was so funny, like just so interesting. There's a word out there, and maybe you're going to help me here, that has so many different silent letters that you don't know that all of them are silent. Well, you could uh, hello. Um, I mean, for Ranger fans, Brady Shea. Brady Shea is a player for the Rangers, and his last name, the last name Shea, is spelled S-K-J-E-I. No. Correct. No. S-K-J-E-I. And the only reason I know that is because my daughter is a rabid Ranger fan, well, like, so we all know that. Athletes, Brett Favre was mm-hmm. F- is F-A-V-R-E, and Correct. everyone's the like- The R and the V are, are, right. are, are flipped. Or, yeah. Right. Um, but I'm trying to think of this word is going to bother me. I'm going to hopefully find Inverted it. Inverted would have been show. the adult word for it. I said flipped. <laughs> yeah, right. ironically coming from me. The uh, Here's another unique one. Mm-hmm. Mercedes, and I think I've told you this before. Mm-mm. The word Mercedes, M-E-R-S-E-D-E-S, each E in that in that word is pronounced a different way. But isn't Mercedes M-E-R-C-E? M-E-R-C-E. You just said S. Okay, M-E-R-C-E-D-E-S. Each E in there. Say these right. They're all pronounced all the different. Like, how is a kid reading that supposed to? This is yeah, exactly. This is why when you have a child, and I have a child who's had a tremendous amount of trouble reading, and she has made unbelievable strides. But when you are trying to teach a child how to read who is having trouble, and they are thrown, they are they are accosted by all of these ridiculous exceptions and rules and whatever in the english language it is it's impossible that's yeah. why learning english as a sing, as a second language is so impossible it is it is illogical especially when a kid is learning hebrew and a kid is learning english at the same time while hebrew is a completely logical language where every letter sounds the way it's supposed to right okay so that part's true but right. i mean every language has its crazy exceptions okay but hebrew in this case the rules i mean the rules follow the rules there aren't 7,000 right. exceptions to the rule. You're not going to have a word like thumb in Hebrew. You're just not. You're not going to have a word like lamb. You're not going to have a word like bologna. Or any nut K mm-hmm. to start a silent mm-hmm. letter with a K. There right. are no silent. It doesn't work that way. 
So for a kid who is, you know, my daughter has taken to reading Hebrew much more easily than she has to reading English. And it's because of the rules. I hear that. Israelis stick to the rules. All right. What other words do we have? That are crazy? Yeah, just like fun, unique things about well, some do you have a fame? Do you have a favorite word in the English language? I do. Of course I do. For I think in high school my favorite word was enthralled. I don't know why. I just really like that word, enthralling. Interesting. Really? Yeah. I, I, you like the way it no sounds? No rhyme or reason. I don't like know. the way it feels? I just felt like I was so intelligent when I was throwing mm. a word. Throwing non sequitur for a while. Uh, that's a good on. one. Because the hyphen is the best piece of... Um, you think so? Oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. Um, oh, my gosh. Help me out here. Your favorite punctuation? Thank you, punctuation. Jeez. Holy cow. I, I know. I took a lot of... Who's the English teacher? Here? I took a lot of cold medication this morning. <laughs> You're sounding better, by the way, as the... As... I know, because I'm warming up a little yeah. bit. Um, yes, the punctuate dash is my favorite, or I should say hyphen. Um, my favorite word in the English language also has a hyphen, hoity-toity. <laughs> is that a word or it's, slang? No, it's a word, hoity-toity, H-O-I-T-Y dash T-O-I-T-Y. Which means? Highfalutin. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Hoity-toity. It's like nose up in the air, snobbery. All right. Yeah. It's like- you're... Have I heard you use it here? I don't think so. No, because it doesn't really come up, number one, in everyday conversations, and number two, in a studio. Okay. Well, I don't, you I should don't... try to use it once per show, I think. I think I should try and use it once per week in some hoity-toity fashion. There you go. There you go. Check. Um, there is- the... Yes, that is my favorite word in the- You know what my favorite word is in- um, in Hebrew? In Hebrew? Uh-huh. It is, I don't know. It's pretty random. It's pretty random. You want to take a, I mean, there's no way you'd know. Yeah, I don't know. Passiflora. Like <laughs> yeah, I was just saying. Passiflora. Yeah, that's a good one. Because it's ridiculous. That's right, for those people who don't know, passiflora is the Hebrew word for passion fruit. Yes. And by the way, I can't stand passion fruit. It's not like, oh, it's my favorite word because it's my favorite thing. I, it's awful. It's I think I only awful. get passion fruit in Israel, it's mainly a, in a slushy form. Right. Which doesn't make it fruit related at all. Super fruit related. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I'm looking up all these like grammar things. You know, the classic like grammar saves lives. Grammar with, saves with lives. Don't eat grandma. Let's eat comma grandma. Let's right. eat grandma. Two different things. See, I would have a conversation with you about the Oxford comma. Oh, that was number 11 on this thing. See, but not only would we lose all of your listeners, but um, I, I just sound like a moron. Like With the Oxford comma, we invited the dogs, comma, William, comma, and Harry. Without the Oxford commas, we invited the dogs, comma, William, and Harry. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mm-hmm. get it. Right. I am not a believer. We invited the dogs. William and Harry means we invited the dogs, a person named William, a person named Harry, or whatever. And then we invited the dogs, comma, William and Harry means, means the, the dogs, dogs are named. So William and Harry. Right. I am not a fan of the Oxford comma. I think the ox I think the comma in general is the most abused piece of punctuation in the English language, which it is. I my trouble I think is always putting the comma before a conjunction, usually with Look but at you. with yes. the word but I always forget because I think there are times you use the comma and there are times you don't before mm-hmm. the word but. But the conjunction form of but. Um, and then, of course, punctuation in poetry is a whole different animal because it works like stop signs. Oh, it's well, roadmap. We're not going to do that today. Yeah. But with the, I mean, with the comma, I, you know, I was an editor of a website for three years. So I learned a lot mm. about, you know, and, and just seeing, you know, the first time I wrote, I'm sure there were a million commas. 
and then you know you take out as many commas as possible. Correct. Those things are so useless. Just take them out. Just take get them rid out. Of them. Because I think people in their head, when they use a comma, they use it more as a "This is how I want my readers to read." Correct. It. But that's not the way a comma should be used. It is a well, yes and no. Meaning, if we're going back to our conversation about poetry, or you're go- or you're writing a speech, I'm talking about right. So okay. in a speech, I kind of get it. Correct. The but cadence, someone... right? Commas will dictate cadence. Right. Um, right, but if you're, but the problem with all these commas in in written word in written form is that it just facilitates the run on sentence. People do not know when to just stop. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right, listen that that'll do it for English class. Thank you. Because I think uh, both of Rummy is like, geez, we need to keep as many listeners as possible. Right, here. and let's be honest, not too many people besides me, you possibly Mayor Fertig, and um, a couple other grammar nerds out there are interested. Yeah, well, that is our bid in our uh, to uh, International Grammar Day. Yeah, that'll do it for the entire year. We will talk more grammar. Love grammar this time next year. I, you should know, by the way, I'm not a grammarian. Like my degree in in, in English is not about grammar; it's about literature. Okay. Just want to good to know. I don't want to, I don't want to put myself out there as something I'm not. Fun facts about Miriam L. Wallach. Or not so fun. Or not so fun. Available for parties and barbecues. All right. Thank you for joining. Thank you. And uh, hopefully next week you will sound better for us, if you don't mind. I'm just kidding. Okay. That'll do it for us here on Bite Size. Thank you all for tuning in. Avrami's live lunch, as we have mentioned, comes up in just uh, any second now. So I'm uh, going to kick it over to him. Again, thank you all for tuning in. My name is Yoni Pollock. I'd like to wish you all a great day and remind you that the bite size is always, always, always the right size. Oh, oh, oh.